Welcome to MHM Podcast Network on MovieHouseMemories.com. Podcast for pod people. Our feature presentation begins now. You're listening to Lunchtime Movie Review from LunchtimeMovieReview.com. And we are the children of the 80s. LTMR Hindsight. This is a special October podcast, Horror Movies. I'm Matt. I'm Greg. Horror Movies? Horror Movies. Horror Movies. <laughs> There's a lot of them in the 80s, you know, Trading Places. I've been waiting to talk about The Accused for a long time. You know, Horror Movies would be a Now, do they have to play a whore, or do they just have to be a whore in real life? Yeah. That's a great topic. We're going to have to do that. <laughs> I'm Jay. <laughs> I'm Patrick. Pretty popular genre in the 1980s. Horror. Absolutely. Yeah, really popular in the 80s. Really hits its stride. Prior to 1980, what do you got as far as horror? You have more like supernatural horror. You have The Exorcist. You have Texas Chainsaw Massacre comes out in the mid-70s. Psycho um, in the 60s. Psycho. Well, Psycho kind of creates the slasher genre, and then you have... You got like the Omen. You've got you got more supernatural. Eighties is kind of where slasher really takes over. And they take every permutation off the horror genre. Yes, every holiday has a horror film. That's true. Arbor Day, I believe so. I think it exists. <laughs> the Arbor Day Killer. Come on. <laughs> oh, the the rape tree from Evil Dead. Yeah. <laughs> well, so we were talking about <laughs> we were talking about this yesterday about what what is. The genre horror. Yeah, is it just slasher films? Right. Or can we say, like, The Shining? Would that be a horror movie? I would say that's a horror film. Yeah, okay. What about monster films? So Dep- like Depends on the monster. Like Jaws, mm, I wouldn't call that a horror film. But if you had, like, a I don't know, killer dinosaur. Or Werewolf. Werewolf, I would say that's a horror film. What about Tremors? I would actually put that in horror film. Uh, you know? <laughs> Matt nods. Yes, I agree. <laughs> What about suspense films? Uh, depend, it depends on the suspense. Like Silence of the Lambs, I think, is more of a suspense film, but The Shining is very close to suspense, but I would put that in the horror film category because of the supernatural element. This is, we're not just asking Patrick. He's not the arbiter I've, of all what if You're looking has, at me when you ask the question. So. <laughs> what if it has slashers and dwarves? Is it a fantasy? fantasy? Well, obviously, fantasy it's a horror. fantasy film. <laughs> Obviously, you're talking about Leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Leprechaun. That is a fantasy horror. Mm-hmm. What about so Saw is another one where I consider that more of a thriller uh, suspense than uh, a typical horror slasher film. But I put it in the horror genre as well. Well, I think that's where horror, this horror slasher film, has evolved to in the late '90s, early 2000s. Is that it became like torture porn. And that's where you got Hostel and Saw. <laughs> Otherwise known as Everything I Masturbate To. <laughs> Just kidding. We should really cut that. I don't know where that came from. Oh, where's the, Friday, where's that blooper reel? Uh-huh. Matt's Friday Night with the Lotion. Yeah. <laughs> Faces of Death, Tissues. Oh, uh, really? Good night. That's, that's horrible. I really, I, I've always said, I've said on this podcast many a times, do not mix my violence with my sex. I like them separate. <laughs> 
Now, you you I, hear me, I Fifty agree. Shades now, of Grey? Now the sex can come right after the violence well, for you. Yeah, but... <laughs> yeah, that's just called a, a marriage. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really, I hate the, the um, combination of those that the... the uh, the horror films in the 80s and certainly the 90s started doing. I just never got that. Well, I think that's where, like, Saw comes about is they have to ratchet up. Otherwise, it's just a slasher film. And Scream had kind of, you know, all those successful made fun of the slasher films to the point where, okay, what's the next logical step? Oh, let's torture the f*** out of someone. Yeah. All right. One of my favorite horror films from the 1920s. Freaks? Freaks. One of us. One of us. Oh, man. if you haven't seen that, you need to check this out. Talk about exploitation of. Yeah. yeah. And, and also a fantasy film. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's because of the worm guy. But look, freaks, man, that's still, uh, it's, it's, there's some disturbing images, even if you don't know what it is, just watch it. And there's, it's pretty creepy, man. It's because they're real. <laughs> well, that, there's, no, but I'm saying the last scene, that's, I think it's creepy. It's a creepy film. But it's, uh, there's kind of, Horror from from before, but the '80s really they they double down on horror films. And you start with Halloween, Friday, sort of the gateway to the '80s. Yeah, yeah, because that was pre is 1979, yeah. and then Friday the Thirteenth, same thing. Mm-hmm. Real early, late late '70s, early '80s. Why did this genre become so popular in the '80s? Anyone have any ideas? Because of Halloween and Friday the 13th. Well, why did those movies become so popular, though? I mean, what what, what happened? Why did this hit a nerve? Well, I think because they're well done. It was a great film. And in a film, you talked about a suspense issue to it, that that film is not where you get to in, like, Friday the 13th with a lot of gore. Actually, the first one, if I remember, doesn't even have that much gore. Which, Friday the 13th? The first one. Yeah, after that, they get kind of a gore fest. But, uh, but Friday the 13th was, they had some pretty graphic, bloody... Yeah, the See, beheading. They, they yeah. show, they, they show the arrow come through the neck. Mm-hmm. They they're real uh, overt with their blood and gore. But where it evolved to, where it almost becomes ridiculous right. in nature towards the end of its run. But Halloween has very little blood, low body at all, count, and a low body count, and it is it is not jumping out of the corner. You see Michael Myers walking towards you. He's just walking. He's not running. You always see him. You, it's that build up of that suspense that here he comes. But th- they're incredibly successful, these films. And I think that's what causes the, them to be so, this genre to, to just take off in the 80s because they're incredibly profitable and they can be done on a dime's budget. Yeah, I think Jay was going to say the correct answer was Jimmy Carter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once you somebody just had rabbit, to, wrong. Uh, somebody just had to get killed. That's all I said. Yeah, Halloween is a great film and, and very influential and made no. a lot of money on a very small budget. So Hollywood uh, got very happy. Do we have kind of the most successful or profitable uh, films in the genre in the 80s? Yeah, I I went through and looked through uh, franchises. So uh, this was through Box Office Mojo, who always helps us with our, our, our numbers. Thank you, Box Office Mojo. And uh, they this is based off franchises, which means they had three films or more. And these are franchises that had something to do in the 80s. So sometimes it may bleed over one way sure. or the other. So starting out with uh, number 11, I was going to do 10, but I got to the end of the list and 11 was there, and I know Jay likes this movie. Evil Dead. woo All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not very Pin cushion. It's a little over overrated. I yeah. Think. But th- three films in the franchise from 83 to 93 made uh, almost $20 million. Um, highest grossing of the entire series was the last one, Army of Darkness. That came out in 93. Uh, but now... 
we get into films that we're familiar with. Number 10, Return of the Living Dead, $23.4 million between um, the four films in the franchise that were released theatrically. Number 9, Fright Night, actually has three films in the series, counting the remake. Is that That's what they put it All down right. for. Two films in the 80s, $27.9 million. It's like statistics in baseball, man. Every, <laughs> at some point, there's a statistic for everything. All right. Now we get into what I would define as probably the films. of Bonafide films. Starting with number eight, uh, Hellraiser series. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, 39. Oh, yeah. yeah $48.5 million for the entire franchise of four films. $39 million was made from 87 to 92, which was their heyday. Uh, highest grossing in the series was obviously the first one. As usual, uh, $14.5 million. Mm. Number seven. This one was actually a surprise, but when I thought about it, uh, Psycho actually had two sequels that came out in the 80s. Remember those? The franchise made $102.6 million. 49 of that was made in the 80s. Uh, highest grossing of the entire series actually is Psycho 2 um, with $34.7 million. The yeah, but that one comes out like 20 years after the first yeah. one. Right? Original Psycho made $32 million. If you adjust that for inflation, which would be $342 million oh, in today's market. But... Uh, still, it had it had uh, two films in the '80s, and they were very, very successful. And then and again, I, a remake. Later. And then there was a remake. That's the Vince fourth Vaughn, series. Right. right. Uh, number six, Child's Play, also just recently reviewed. Uh, One hundred twenty-six million dollars for the franchise. Seventy-six of it made from '88 to '91 between Child's Play one, two, and three. It beats Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> <laughs> That hack Hitchcock <laughs> put a f***ing talking doll with a knife in its hand, and you would have had some real yeah. box office. You know, for some reason, I, I was talking to my wife about Child's Play, and this, that one creeps her out more than almost any other. She hates <laughs> horror films, but she finds the doll the dolls, just yeah. crazy creepy, which I think is yeah weird. The highest gross going to dress up like Chucky for Halloween see if I can get some. <laughs> Wanna play? Highest grossing in the series was obviously the first one at $33 million. Uh, number five, Poltergeist, $133.2 million. All three films released in the 80s. Um, highest grossing in the series, $77 million to the first film, which you know was no big surprise. One and two is all that matters. The third one is the one with the little girl. What's her name? Caroline? Caroline. Carol Caroline and uh, Tom Skerritt in a building, and it's stupid. Yeah, I barely remember. Yeah, I heard, yeah. Horrible. I like one and two, though. Right. He is in his holy temple. That's creepy as shit. That old guy in number two? Uh, number four, Amityville. Never saw it. $170 million for the franchise. 105 uh, made. How the f oh, yeah, there was there was the remake. Uh, 105 made for. Ryan Reynolds. 1979 to 1983. Highest grossing in the series, the original Amityville horror from 1979. $86 million in 79. Wow. That was a wow. huge f***ing film. I did not remember it as that. And that's another haunted house story? It's the haunted house story. Yeah, and, and that's supposed to be based on a real... True life story. Life story, yeah. If uh, you're interested in that story, I recommend Brian Dunning at Skeptoid.com does a podcast on that. It's really interesting. He says it's all true, right? So. Mm -hmm. Go check it out. Uh, number three, Halloween, uh, $308 million total 116 made yeah but how many films were there in that 10 films in the series yeah. five released from 1978 to 1989 highest grossing in the series 
during the 80s was the or during that time frame was the original Halloween 47 million dollars but it was only the third highest grossing and, uh, the two remakes have made more money the Rob's oh right 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 so and it, the original was made for far less than rad yeah <laughs> <laughs> Rob Zombie you know what he's a hack the guy's a hack everything he does he just he just pisses all over <laughs> because the original Halloween stood and stands head and shoulders above uh, what he did. He, he can't touch it. Uh, number two is Nightmare on Elm Street, $370 million, $171 million coming during the 80s. How many films? Nine films in the franchise, five released in the 80s. Yeah. Highest grossing of the 80s period is Nightmare on Elm Street 4, Dream Master. I huh. mean, all the first four films, each film got made progressively wow. more money until five, which the bottom dropped out and it made less money. And I'll tell you why that is. Because Dream Warriors Part 3 is the best one in the franchise. And so when that one came out, that caused so many people to go see number four. So I think that's actually a reflection on how good number three was. And then four killed it. I remember. The, is that the best soundtrack? Dawkin. Dawkin, man. And then the highest grossing franchise of the 80, as far as total amount, Friday the 13th, $380 million. 203, about $204 million came during the 80s. 12 films in the franchise, 8 released in the 1980s. The highest grossing uh, in the 80s was the original, Friday the 13th, at almost $40 million, although it's uh, been surpassed by Freddy vs. Jason and the remake of Friday the 13th, unfortunately. All right, what other what other single films were out there that were big? The other films that came up, uh, and, and I do not categorize these as horror. This is box office mojo, so some of these I would argue that they're not. Uh, when a Stranger Calls. Made $21 million in 1979. That's actually what I think is one of the, the better horror films from that. I don't remember it. That's uh, Have You Checked the Children? You've you've got to have heard that. Yeah, I've she heard She gets it. phone calls and say, Have You Checked the Children? And the killer is actually in the house. And mm-hmm. So it's very, very suspenseful. Urban legend. I don't know if it's urban legend or other or people just retell the movie story. No, well, Am I the only one who saw this f***ing movie? Because you guys are all looking at me with blank stares. It's yes. been a long time. I, I think I've seen it, though. Uh, Shocker uh, made $16 million. See? So in 1989. Prom Night with oh, yeah, uh, prom Jamie Night. Lee Curtis made uh, about $15 million. The Fog, another John Carpenter oh, yeah. film, uh, made about $21 million. Uh, the Gate, which is, uh, they put, uh, I was kind of surprised about this. I remember it was, this is kind of like demons coming out of the earth or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, $13 million. Creep Show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> $21 million. Cat's Eye, which is Stephen King. Stephen King, uh, $13 million. Uh, here's one I know that is going to provoke some discussion of whether it's a horror film, but this is what they categorize it as. The Fly, $40 million. Okay, so. Does that mean Spider-Man's a horror movie? <laughs> that, Jurassic yeah, Park. I get it. Yeah, I get it. It seems it does seem a little more because of the gruesome nature it's of it. More, maybe. and they also put which right after this was the thing at nineteen million dollars. So, yeah, I accept that. I mean, it's it's. I think it goes to the you know, kind of the the monster gruesomeness of it. Yeah, but, yeah. So so monster film without like gross up that dog. Yeah, yeah they did. Yeah, I'm gonna go with monster film plus grossness equals horror. So you got zombie movies, you've got the fly, you've got the the thing, but dinosaurs, Jaws, you don't have the grotesqueness of it, so it's not a horror film. Yeah, box office. Thus, shall, thus it shall be written. Thus it shall be said. <laughs> yeah, those are some of the, the kind of non 
franchise. But they're films. also just crapping these out. Like you said, if there's a holiday, there's a slasher film associated with uh, April Fool's Day. Mother's Day. Uh, Valentine's Day. Massacre. I mean, he's, Silent Night, Deadly Night. You got all types of Christmas ones. Those They, they kept doing those. There's a bunch of them. I, mean, I just remember going to the video store and seeing a bunch of uh, winter-themed or Christmas-themed horror films, slasher films, whatever. St. Patrick's Day with Leprechaun. Leprechaun? No, oh, well, there's Leprechaun. I think that's 90s, though. That's yeah, kind of it would have been right around that time, though, because that was Jennifer Anderson's first film yeah. um, before before friend well before friends she's in the first one yeah wow yeah she's very embarrassed by it which is why i like to point it out <laughs> as often as possible all right so does a horror movie have to be scary or at least an attempt at scary or can you have... say it has to attempt at scary to be a successful one i think it has to be scary because by definition horror you're trying to inflict horror but we've had a lot audience. of these kind of crossovers or these mixed genres of horror comedy Fright Night, are you talking about? Yeah, well, American Werewolf in London. Oh, sure, yeah. What's interesting is the ones that I remember as having comedic uh, parts, Nightmare on Elm Street, Child's Play, don't have that initially. The first right. one, they usually play it straight, and then later in the in the series or in the franchise is when they really kind of inject some personality and some humor into the, into the killers. See, I always think that when you inject comedy into a horror, it's almost more of a spoof category because you look at uh, later on in the 90s and 2000s you get scary movie which you've got horror elements but it's i mean it's a spoof movie but again what about scream which was played straight yet tongue-in-cheek which i thought that revolutionized the horror genre and, he, and uh what's his name Wes craven Wes craven kind of says that's what he was doing he was trying to basically kill that genre and restart it by identifying all the, the cliches and everything that they did with Scream. And I think, to a large degree, he did do that. Yeah, to me, Scream is more of like a reboot of all the traditional uh, ho uh, horror movies because you got all the elements there, but it's the original Scream. It's done pretty well for the genre. See, but Scream takes it back almost to Friday the 13th, the first one, because in each one of those, it's a separate killer, each film, and it's a question of, who's the killer so there's the suspense element added to it is who's doing the killing where which existed in the very first friday the 13th didn't exist in halloween didn't exist in nightmare on elm street or the rest of the franchise for friday the 13th because you always knew who the killer was all right let's go around our your favorite horror film from the 80s that's a tough one this one's an easy one because I, I i mean i i think the shining should count it does and count. sure, and I I would say the shine. Yeah, you should have done that that damn podcast. But as far though. as 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 far as uh kind of the 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 lower budget slasher type picks, I go with the original Halloween. And if we're sticking strictly with the '80s, since Halloween was a little before that, then I do think uh, Nightmare on Elm Street three is the way to go. That's one I remember very vividly, and uh, kind of got me hooked on the. Yeah, they did the imagery right. There was a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Okay. Jake, for my money, this is going to come as a surprise, Poltergeist. Oh, I support that. That's a good movie. Because uh, to me, for a horror movie, you got to be able to relate and actually care about the potential victims of whatever is going to happen. And I think that Poltergeist did a really good job of building up. This is pretty much any family anywhere in the U.S. Oh, my God, the tree is... The tree in the backyard is attacking the kid. Yeah, the I know. TV, you know, everyone has a TV in, in their house. 
This you want be... Shelly Duvall to get hacked to death. I get yeah, it. Yeah, you're rooting for Jack. Yeah. No, I get it. That's true. Yeah. So basically, you know, you're watching this family and like, wow, this could be me. And if it sucks, you, and if it does a good job, it sucks you in, and it really kind of gets you thinking about your house and your life. So to me, Poltergeist is probably, uh, for my money, one of the better '80s horror movies. Well, if you would ask me in the '80s, my my two favorite horror films of the time were Nightmare on Elm Street three and Hellraiser. I don't, and I, don't, I haven't watched really? Hellraiser for years. I'd be very curious to see if that stands the test of time. But uh, going back now, I really I don't own a lot of horror films. I'm not a horror film fan, but I do own the original Halloween, uh, and I do watch that about every Halloween because I really still think that's a really good film. I also do own Poltergeist, so that's a, that's actually a good pick, and I, I agree with a lot of. Jay sentiment it, it just it's one of the few films that I can sit back and rewatch over and over again. Most of the other horror crap that I used to love in the '80s just does not stand the test of time, or I can't stand watching it. But if I had to pick one, I'd probably pick Halloween. You know, I am really happy we've done this podcast. If nothing else, that I've been able to go back to some of these horror films that I otherwise wouldn't have, and I can just echo everything you guys said. Going back and and seeing Halloween. Halloween and Spinal Tap. If if there is if I have done nothing else but see those two films as a result of this podcast, it's been worth it because both of those things are absolute masterpieces. So, but I agree with with all the other films that you guys talked with, and those are obviously I think classic. They're successful. They're films that have been uh, usually stolen from or, or attempted to be imitated uh, because they work really well. So. I love horror films, and I watch most crappy horror films that come out these <laughs> days, but the reason I do that is because I grew up in the 80s, and it conditioned me to love those films. And so I'll watch sure. crappy, crappy films now that come out simply because of that. So that's what I attribute. I attribute that to growing up in the 80s. But do not mix sex. Do not. <laughs> no. Boobs, okay, but not sex. Yeah, I don't. And even the nudity. As long as the nudity... In a horror film, is separate from yes, the violence. Exactly, so I agree. A shower scene where there's a suspense, where the, where the boyfriend comes in, and there's a jumping scene. You know, not a not he jumps on the girl. Sure, she's startled. Yeah, thinks and it, you see some the boobs. The audience around. thinks the audience yeah. thinks it might be the killer, but it's there's, not. There's a little jiggle. Yeah, oh, I right. love those scenes. Sure, but not the ones where uh, there's a kill scene when yeah. the girl's nude. I don't like that because I'm. I'm gonna give you're sensitive so, like you're that. You're so brutish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to get into. It. It's just interesting how to pair that with. Yeah, it's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> right, I just, it's I serial can, killer. Yes, and I can picture. I, I guess I just imagine somewhere there's fucking little John Wayne Gacy or something sitting there masturbating to this scene, and then sees the kill scene. It's like, hmm, so that is kind of hot. <laughs> My problem is. You know, kind of like in the hostile series, and to a certain extent of Saw, is just the mutilation. Mm-hmm. It's like it's it's not scary to me. It's just kind of gross, yeah. and it just it, I don't find it frightening at all. And that it doesn't cause me to jump. It's just like I don't really want to watch it. I you know, and and I've read about Human Centipede, and I haven't watched any of those. And I watch every fucking thing, and just what it's about is like yeah, I have no interest in yeah, seeing totally it. Over, I saw it and I got caught up into just whoa this is interesting I want to see it just because it's what do they do and it's totally overrated it's just that's a piece yeah. of <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> yeah go back and watch freaks yeah. so is the slasher film dead 
I think it's resting at this moment in time. So, well, cause, like Jason in his grave until lightning strikes the big metal rod in his chest, then, yeah, I, th- I think it will come back. Everything comes back. It's, but that's it. The, the way that they're bringing it back is on reboots. Right. But as well, far as introducing new characters or new slashers, other than possibly Scream, uh, the slasher film, I think it is dead. I think it will eventually come back. There'll be a new character or something that catches the the public interest in a certain way. But I agree with you at this point in time. Their way of dealing with it is after Scream was successful, is well, let's reboot everything. You saw a reboot of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. They're about to reboot it again. You had Friday the 13th come back, Halloween come back. They're about to reboot Halloween again. Nightmare on Elm Street they had tried to do. I mean, they they Child's Play they did. You know, they, they, they really want to, to bring it back, and that's their way of doing it is let's, let's bring back the familiar characters because that's going to guarantee us $10 extra million at the box office because Chucky's back. All right, well, that's horror films. Check us out on Facebook at Lunchtime Movie Review, and keep leaving comments. Keep leaving. Someone leave a f***ing comment. <laughs> <laughs> well, keep listening, and uh, we're getting out of here right now, and you guys are invited. podcast is intended for entertainment and information purposes only the theme music for lunchtime movie review fireworks is provided courtesy of alexander nakaranda at serpentsoundstudios.com under a creative commons attribution 4.0 license all original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the mhn podcast network lunchtime movie review and fuzzy bunny slippers entertainment llc unless otherwise noted